Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and blessings, and welcome to another installment of the Gist of Freedom and Faith. This show is produced by acclaimed historian, educator, and author Leslie Gist, and serves as our weekly live online discussion to celebrate the African-American experience by honoring all the people past and present, black and white, who with faith and focus are preserving our rich history through literature, the arts, the skilled trades, and the humanities. We thank you for joining us tonight, and we'd love you to be a part of tonight's discussion by calling in with your comments or questions to 347-324-5552. Hello, this is Leslie Gist, and you listen to the Gist of Freedom. We have on the line tonight a historian, a legend, Dr. Nate Hare. Dr. Hare, are you on the line? Yes, I'm on. And I, am, I certainly agree that I've known history. I'm not sure, sure people would call me a historian <laughs> in full blast, yes. but uh, I, I've been around a long time, seen a lot of people. Yes, she has. And before we get into the program, you were one of the first historians to start a black studies program at a university. Yes, I, Could you tell us a little bit about that? Well, I don't know how much you want me to say, but I was I was the first person hired to coordinate a black studies program. That was in on February the first, nineteen sixty eight, which happened to be the day that Richard Nixon announced his candidacy for the presidency of the United States. So it, it was already a downhill battle. But I <laughs> went there. They didn't really want a black studies program. In uh, fact, the uh, president got fired before I did. The white president. He told me he he apologized to me, having lured me, helped to lure me out, uh, helped the Black Student Union to lure me out here, uh, knowing that they didn't want a Black Studies program. And uh, we, I, but I hung on there, and, and then he, he uh, uh, we wound up with a five-month strike, the longest in American college history, for uh, uh, an autonomous department of Black Studies. Uh, I don't know how much you want me to talk about. Well, that uh, is that, uh, but that's that so much sums there. it up. Right. That is another show, but I just wanted to give the listeners an idea who you are and uh, the importance that uh, you are to our history and what you've done. Now, before that, we had been at Harvard University teaching there, and I had gone there with the idea of helping to make black students more aware and concerned about the black condition. And I wound up with a lot of people in my classes who later on became important in SNCC. But uh, one of them being Stokely Carmichael, who he was just in one class, collective behavior. But uh, other people mm. like Cleveland Sellers and uh, not Cleveland Sellers, uh, Corlin Cox, and uh, I can't even think of the other guy's name, <laughs> but many other ones who were on the Back Power uh, uh, Committee, the, the SNCC Executive Committee that launched the Black Power Movement, in effect. Uh, that night on the Meredith March, and uh, that, that calls for a lot of detail too. And uh, but I'm not uh, surprised. Anyway, I wound up, that I, that I, wound up I, I wound up with, at San Francisco State College with the Black Studies uh, fight uh, after that. Mm-hmm. Now your wife, she's also um, a professor. Tell us a little bit about Dr. Julia here. Well, she she was really a, a, a pianist and a, a, an organist. Secondarily, he was the official organ for Langston University, a historically black college in Oklahoma. We attended, and she, but she, her major was piano. But in time, we did get married. We met when we were 17, and we got married when we were 23. We got out of college and everything. But she then was relegated to teaching in the public schools. In the primary grades, she became very good at that. Uh, she uh, so by the time we moved to Washington D.C., although they don't let her teach there the first year, and when she did get there, she had teaching in Maryland just outside the uh, uh, district. There's no rhyme or reason as to how they choose these people to work in these uh, schools. It is a crime the way these boards of education set up these fake rules and have these administrators choosing the teachers. 
and they have perfectly good people who are teachers, and, and, and Judy is a good example of that. She wound up being chosen by the Junior Chamber of Commerce and World Book Encyclopedia as the uh, uh, outstanding young educator that is teachers under 35 years old for all of the District of Columbia, the whole of Washington, D.C. And then she came out here, and they, they said she had to take teachers' arithmetic and California history in order to be a substitute teacher. Does that make any sense in a failing school system? But that's what they did. And so she uh, she suffered, uh, although she was the one who wanted to come out here more than I did. Uh, she had to endure that situation. But eventually, she uh, I, I was the uh, sort of organizer at the behest of the uh, radio and television uh, department over at uh, San Francisco State College of a so-called Black Today conference with, the, uh, of course, approval of the Black Student Union. And we uh, put that on, and we had a lot of speakers, and, and the, uh, uh, Kathleen Cleaver uh, and people like that, and, and Don Warden, uh, and all. they spoke there. And Julia spoke, and, and the uh, chairman, uh, the director of the Oakland Museum, which is getting ready to open, uh, liked what she said and hired her on the spot to be the director of education for the Oakland Museum. But when the strike started over at San Francisco State College, everything was in the newspapers every day, and so they began to, the docents began to give her problems. And eventually her boss, uh, the white multimillionaire director of the Oakland Museum, which was planning to open, has opened now, uh, but uh, it was planning to open, and he uh, he was fired, although he years later, several years later became uh, president of the California Historical Society, so uh, uh, here we go again with that kind of uh, madness. But she, we thought she should get out because they were going to fire anyway. And eventually she became the uh, uh, director of the Western Regional uh, Committee Against Discrimination and Housing Office of uh, Public Information. And then she went from there to being a radio talk show host. Where they were, she was the best down there at, at, at both KSFO Radio which was number one for, for a while, and then KGO, which became the all-talk station for for ABC, and it was uh, number one. And she was the best there, but they would only put her on the evenings and weekends, and she wound up suing them, and uh, so it was discrimination, and that was the end of that when her contract ran out, and there we were. And uh, then she, uh, uh, eventually, I, I persuaded her to go on the road with me. I was going around talking about black male-female relationships, I'd done my dissertation on black male-female relations. I, I thought that uh, the black family was in for uh, uh, a crisis because of the, uh, the, what was happening to the black male. Uh, there was the white feminist movement, which was trying to raise uh, the, 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 the women to the level of, she had only to raise herself to the level of a man, but the black woman has also to raise her man. She has the white race had a woman problem. The black I thought the black man has a uh, the black race has a woman problem and a man problem. In that, unlike the white male, uh, the black mm-hmm. male is also, uh, also oppressed. And so, if, you, if, the, uh, uh, if the white woman has only to raise herself to the level of a man, but if the black woman doesn't raise her man at the same time, then she looks around and finds that she's even farther uh, isolated socially and psychologically from a uh, man, that there's no man. She has two cars and a condominium without a man to, to stand beside her. And so this creates wow. yeah. Let's talk about how you're standing beside your wife. And um, uh-huh. how long have you been married? What year did you guys get married? Uh, we married on December 27th, 1956. I mean, it's 44 plus 15. 59 in December. December the 27th will be 59, so we've been married 58 years. And oh, wow. uh, we, we started courting at 17, uh, even before that. At 17. And so, and so, yeah. Right. You, she said okay. about me, and I said about her. She always said she got, she got what you call a, a putting hubby through, the PhD degree, putting hubby through. And uh, she was, because uh, I had a fellowship, a Danforth fellowship, to the uh, University of Chicago. And I uh, was, but it wasn't paying all, everything. It paid a, a great deal. Yeah, but you had to do a, a little bit to go with it. And, but she was there. She teach, she she went at the garden in the uh, uh, snow every morning. There'd be a car, uh, other school teachers coming by and picking up. 
and they had to get, go on the whole west side of Chicago from the south side where we lived, near the University of Chicago. And so, now, just, uh, to give our, just to give our audience an idea of what was going on and what it was like when you two first met, tell us how much your your cars, the groceries, give us an idea of the cost of living and what was happening when you two met. Well, uh, I didn't really, uh, I can't really put a price on it. It was certainly much cheaper uh, than it is now. <laughs> if you go back, a uh, dollar then was probably worth what $20 is now. Uh, if some mm-hmm. people that I've never heard, just my neighbor, I dropped a nickel and I started not to pick it up. And I told her that, that did she know about a meal? She's too young to know about a meal. She seemed to be in her 50s. And so I said, well, a meal uh, was during the World War II. They had something called a meal that had a hole in the middle of it. And it was uh, about the size of almost as big as a quarter, but very thin. And, and, and it was equal to, 10 of those meals would equal a penny. But they don't even have the meals anymore. And now a penny is worth isn't worth a meal, but mm-hmm. but they don't even have the meal, and they might as well get rid of the pennies. And so mm-hmm. it uh, uh, goes on and on. So it was very cheap then. You could buy a whole bag of candy for five dollars. Pardon me, five five cents. I remember that that when I was in graduate school, for God's sake, uh, going up <laughs> in, in, in uh, fifty six seven, I would get myself three bars of candy for fifteen cents, and I would be uh, uh, that would be my lunch, you know. If, uh, I was in a hurry. I didn't have much money to buy a lot of uh, food. I'd run out, kind of run out of money. I was low, and so we uh, we didn't have really have uh, problems. But we had everybody had money then coming out of World War II, and then we had uh, 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 pretty good going. Uh, we had problems with segregation, racism, strict Jim Crow segregation. We could talk about that. Uh, we had. Uh, 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 all kinds of, uh, uh, we had the, the McCarthy era where, where everybody was suspect for being a communist. You could lose it. You had to sign a law deal in order to be, in order to work. In fact, I had to sign two law deals in order to work at Howard. And, and hmm. there was one woman who, who uh, Linda Blumenthal, a white woman in philosophy department, who uh, got fired because she wouldn't sign the law deals. And she signed it and acted like she hadn't, she had signed it. She, she would sign, wouldn't sign it, but act like she had. Whereas I, I wouldn't sign it, but act, I did sign it, but act like I hadn't. I could make sense. But but in any case, uh, <laughs> it didn't matter to me. Just a piece of paper. Uh, uh, but uh, uh, was neither here nor there. I had nothing stretched against the, the uh, country except that it was going to have to treat me better. I, I never did accept segregation. I ran in the back of the bus and all that uh, when I was t- ten years old in 1943. Uh, my, I was living three miles outside of Slick, Oklahoma, halfway between uh, uh, Bristol and Beggs, which are 20 miles apart. My mother said they're going to start a bus running from Bristol to Beggs, and I'm going to send you, and uh, uh, my brother, little brother, about eight, and, and I'm going to send you to uh, Bristol with a bucket of cream. They just give them the cream off the milk at this house so they could sell the cream and make butter out of it. At the cream, we could we could make butter at home, or we could sell it at the cream in Bristol. So she gave me a bucket to take, and she said uh, she wanted me to buy uh, her certain things. She listed, you know, like commodities, a little light uh, uh, kitchen things. And then she said you can take ten uh, cents a piece, which costs ten cents a piece if you're under twelve, twenty-five cents if you're over twelve, to, to go to the movie theater. There are two movie theaters in Bristol. Blacks could only attend one of them. And we had to sit in the balcony at, at that, and uh, it was, the balcony of that theater was called Nigger Heaven. So you, you could take these dams and go to Nigger Heaven. And then, uh, so I, she said, you're going to have to uh, sit in the back. And right at the front, you got to sit in the back. It's not right, but you got to sit in the back. And so she went around, so I, because she was melting herself. So I uh, heard her, and I went, got on the bus, and I sat immediately behind the driver. He was he was off getting taking tickets, but I just sat down in that first seat. My little brother wanted to sit by the window. He scooted over there, and then he, the driver came in and turned and, and said, "I didn't. I wasn't holding. There was no sitting in or nothing I was doing except I was not going on to ride in the back of the bus because my mother said it was wrong." And so uh, he begged and pleaded for about thirty minutes for me to go to the back. My little brother was scared to death, leaning over my shoulder, but I, we didn't go. He finally drove on, and that was in 1943. 
and and so I was riding. Mostly, I, I conformed with other people. When I was with black, we didn't have any buses. So I went to college again, and, and we very seldom rode a bus then, except two to college and away from it. But and so we'd all be together, and I'd go along. But when I was by myself, even then, even on the ground bus, I would I, I had a rule not to sit rear of center. And I would have all kinds oh. of incidents, people talking, but nobody busted. I'd roll eyes at me. I rolled mine back at them. That was, that was nothing. One guy says, I said beside him, he says, why don't you go to the back where you belong? I said, why don't you put me back there? End of his talk. I said, I was trying to get things out of him, but he wouldn't stand anymore. I picked at him out the window after I got off. But in any case, uh, uh, I would go into the white man's restroom, and they would give me plenty mm-hmm. of room. Uh, they were saying, I guess they were crazy. I didn't tarry. I meant that I didn't tarry. But but I, I took my time and got out, and they just stood there looking at me every time. And I, I guess I'm lucky I wasn't living farther south. Uh, I didn't get uh, lynched even in Oklahoma and Missouri. And, and I come at the corner of Texas. I travel across that coming home from Chicago sometimes. But in any case. Now, uh, okay. That is something else that you lived through all those eras in. Before we uh, talk about anything else, I want to talk about um, the day that you found out that your wife was diagnosed with Alzheimer's, can you oh, tell our listeners a... about? Well, we've gone through many things, and, and, and including uh, uh, her proud sister, who was about two years older, and she she was died of cancer, and that was a great. She almost didn't get get through that, and then uh, my, uh, my father got Alzheimer's, and and, and uh, uh, it seems that her mother put him in in the uh, Place and, and Julia went along with. She never got over that later on, though she worried about it a lot later on. And then she, uh, uh, her older sister got it, and they, uh, uh, you know, all dealing with that. And her, uh, her uh, well, so we, I, but I still I didn't expect her to get it. You understand? And so we were going on. I looked back and I could see that she might have had certain signs, like she would. Asked me a lot of questions when she was talking on the phone, a lot of answers to things. But she had not, always done that. And, but she, I, I guess she was doing it more, but I didn't think anything thing because I just attributed it to uh, my uh, not only being more of the, the scholar, but a uh, huge performer, but also being uh, the person who was free to look, at, uh, uh, look it up, you know, if I didn't know it. And so we, uh, when, when I was at, and she began to be afraid of flying up uh, itself, as well as uh, sitting, especially in that front. She, she was startled people by, by giving. She was always a person who was, who was liked by people, male and female alike. And so she would wind up getting uh, moved up first fast by the sales clerk in the airport or, or the stewardess or somebody. And then, then she would wind up giving her ticket, uh, first fast seat to somebody else. You know, some stranger, some some startled white stranger would be offered her first class seat. She'd give it to me. Like one one student got real mad because she looked around and she had given me the seat <laughs> there at the front. And she she was she was too much. She was too busy up there. Too much. And I was too busy. And I think that that was, uh, was uh, early sign of that. But but, but you don't ever. Uh, she was also a good actor. So. You never really know about that. She was. She began to be uh, afraid of. Uh, uh, she, she would be bored at home. I said, "Why don't you go to the library?" Because she wasn't working at the time, but she was making uh, good money uh, lecturing. So I said, uh, "Why uh, don't you go to the library and uh, read?" But she was not into doing that, and she just said she was. Uh, she was at home in a mausoleum. She wanted to be going to the office like I was. I, I wish that. I had her place to hear, and she could, I could write or something. Mm-hmm. Like she she would go to the office. We were mixed up that way. I think that was the mm-hmm. early signs of it. She scared to be alone. She began to want me to come home before dark, saying it was a danger to me, but I think it was that, that sundown fear that being abandoned. She talked about she didn't want to be abandoned. And uh, so uh, but it rocked on until it, where, until it got to be where it was unavoidable, undeniable. And you can see that there were delusions and, and different uh, personalities changed. I'm sorry, I didn't hear and, you. I didn't understand what you said. Different Doctor, delusions. You said she, she started seeing, what, what, what was she seeing? She started, uh, well, doing all kinds of things, having uh, uh, delusions that weren't true. You know, she would think things oh. that weren't true. In fact, she would get on the phone just like her sister had done uh, about her uh, sister's daughter. 
and she would uh, tell the other relatives about things that her mother was doing to her, and they all believed it. I didn't think the girl was doing that, but they all did, including the in-laws. And I, uh, uh, but we kind of find out that that's what they do uh, if they, after they get to the moderate stage. They'll get on the phone and talk about the, the person that's close to them uh, that's, and, and control them. You see, the person has to keep them that, that, that safety and, and that decorum and everything. And that person is, becomes the enemy, becomes the obstacle, and becomes the person who they are clashing with. And, and, and ironically, it's usually the person who's closest to them, uh, 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 like the mother or the, or the, or the uh, whether the daughter, whoever is in charge there, uh, uh, the responsible person, and so that turns to be the the uh, person they make up these uh, uh, delusions about or complain about uh, things that aren't delusions they complain about, and uh, everybody believes it, including the relatives. Unfortunately, uh, when we went to the uh, her older sister died, uh, uh, while she when she had just gotten diagnosed at a moderate stage, and we, but able to go to her funeral. And we went to the funeral, and, and the pastor uh, praised uh, the older sister. They all condemned to high heaven, and, and they uh, uh, she praised them. He even praised the, the so-called no good uh, 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 n-word uh, uh, son-in-law <laughs> that uh, they had a brother-in-law, and, and didn't even mention any of them, including Julie, who had been the keynote speaker at his, his annual Black History uh, uh, program several times. And, and so mm-hmm. that's the way, the way it is. And the same thing with her friends. They were doing all those things to her friends. She didn't want me to tell anybody that, about what was going on, would not go to the doctor or anything, start getting medicine or whatever. And so I, I, uh, uh, she finally got on the phone and started telling those people things about me. So I, I could hear it right in my face. And so I, I uh, said, if you're going to tell these, these things about me, I will tell them that, uh, about you. So I, I, that's when we first started letting it out. Meanwhile, I finally got to, uh, uh, her to the doctor, uh, Kaiser, who belonged to Kaiser. Now, so how, we, long uh, Dr., Dr. how long ago was that, Dr. Kaiser? How long ago was that? Four years ago, so, uh, in, in, in okay, the so early summer of 2011. So you took her to the doctor in 2011 because what was the and incident was, that occurred? Oh, oh just every day. I mean, she was just, uh, she, she, it, what they do is uh, uh, become uh, irrational in their thought thinking. They become delusional. They uh, uh, have all kinds of uh, uh, difficulty in remembering. Can't remember this, can't remember that which eventually gets to the point where they can't make the coherent uh, conclusion or statement. And, and so just a problem in, in being, uh, managing or existing, let alone relating to uh, people in the place. And so then uh, it becomes a danger to go out uh, once you recognize that they are uh, not in control of everything. And so that's another issue, and that is what the, the system uses as a basis for confining them when they won't stay in the living facility. If you were staying, especially in the days before Obamacare and the changes in the health plan, uh, Medicare had the requirement to be confined. Kaiser was following, the, we had Medicare with Kaiser, and Kaiser was following the Medicare guidelines, but was not uh, uh, telling me that. And, and, and they were insisting on confinement. And, and, and first of all, the doctor wouldn't do anything at all. If she had had my doctor, I have a good doctor at Kaiser. If she had my doctor, it would have been a different story. But she had a doctor who was doing nothing. In fact, when she first hooked up with him, her uh, one of her best friends, the uh, a supervisor, one of the city supervisors, Doris Ward, had sued him. And the city assistant attorney was also uh, a part of that suit that happened out there. And she should have run in, but she stuck with him because he was very friendly. And he would praise her because she'd be on CNN and, and television and things, and the whole staff would, 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 uh, with the uh, nurses and whatnot, they were into fashion. And she would come in there like a fashion show, and they'd all talk fashion. So that, it was a big party when she went to the doctor instead of a medical uh, event. And I finally got him to to uh, uh, send her a letter to come in, and she, she I, got, I got her to go in on one basis, a letter with me, and he gave her a... Uh, memory test, and she didn't pass any of the questions. He conspired with my doctor to give me a test, thinking that I was the one who, who was the minute. And so he, he uh, I didn't miss a single question, 
But in any case, uh, mm-hmm. uh, he didn't do anything, and sit on her back, and and every time I'd call, he he, put, he he wouldn't talk. He gave an assignment to a nurse. He, he eventually she wouldn't call him back, and so I finally started calling advice nurse, and they said call nine one one, and so I, that's what I did, call nine one one. When I got up there, and one one thing led to another, and, and, and I was segued into uh, a uh, facility where she was locked up, and she would. Uh, Try to get out. Try to climb out the window. Uh, as far as it was locked out down, and uh, so they would not uh, out and would not uh, leave at night. Uh, after visiting hour, uh, she would be. That must have been heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, she was uh, calling my name and, and beating on the door like, and I, uh, uh, I had to conspire with the. Staff uh, to get away in the first place. They try to I, I distract. Uh, uh, they distract her while I ease out. Then she discovered I was out and running and saw them on the door and calling my name. And so I thought there must be a better way. Uh, there's something wrong about uh, a person who has never even had a parking ticket that I can recall to come to the end of life in the final stage uh, 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 and uh, you know very uh, lady like three times a lady uh, a person. Uh, and you're going to lock them up uh, at the end of life uh, uh, like you would a criminal uh, murderer, even though people are talking about getting people off death row now and getting people mm-hmm. out, out of confinement who made murders and other crimes. Yet, yet nobody says anything about uh, locking up uh, the... Uh, yeah, you went through, uh, Dr. Here, you went through great lengths to get her out of that condition, that, that sort of confinement. Well, you know, I had, to, uh, I, had to, I had to go... Uh, they, they said, well, you got to have a uh, power attorney. Well, well by chance, I, I, fortunately for everybody, I did have uh, uh, one that they accepted, uh, uh, which was inadvertently done through uh, a will we had made out. We uh, uh, had to give a power attorney, and so I used that because they, they said I wouldn't have anything to say about it, and, and they would uh, go through this procedure, and they would conspire with her niece who was... Uh, uh, they, for whatever reason, wanted to. Uh, they persuaded, and even her best friends, they persuaded them all that it was best for her. Because everybody thinks that anyway. You're not getting proper treatment. They, they say they can't, don't know what caused it, let alone what, how to treat it and cure it. And, and yet, they, people will say they're getting better medical care if they're locked in there than than they are when they're out. That's what people do believe, and, and, and they may and they may not be. Uh, but but some people get killed in there. But but they say, oh, she's not be safe out there. They say, well, you can't even uh, you got to have somebody twenty four hours, not just during the day, because if uh, you might fall asleep at night. I say, well, suppose me and the other and the caregiver fall asleep at night, we would both we'll be sleeping. And so uh, what I got was uh, ADT on the door. So if uh, anybody if it move it mess with that door, it's going to wake up creation and, and automatically. Bring the fire, fire department, the police, and the, and the fire, everybody, ambulance, everybody else. If you don't go in there and tell them not to, and so therefore, uh, that, that's better than uh, having somebody sitting here, having somebody sit here all night. And so I mm-hmm. uh, now, Dr. Here, I, wouldn't pay for that. Wouldn't pay for that. Oh, they wouldn't pay for the, the security. But, but it wouldn't pay for you at home. But pay, you had to be confined. They wouldn't even even when they got out here, they wouldn't send anybody to treat. Uh, you had to be confined. Uh, uh, All right. Now I read that she improved greatly once she was but home. But they changed it now. You got her out of that condition. Well, well, when I got uh, some friends. One was a, a judge. One was a, a physician who specialized in that herself. Another uh, and, and so on. A lawyer retired, and we, we went out there and got her. Uh, there was no problem. The, the law of California, I found, said you can. You, you don't have to accept uh, any medical treatment you don't want anyway. Uh, but we went out there and just got her out. Uh, uh, there was uh, uh, a woman who, Reverend Kaiser, who was standing in, in the room before I hadn't even uh, met her. And so she was finally me. And uh, when we met, the first thing she said was recommending uh, a family. <laughs> so I said, well, uh, we, anyway, we touched on that. Anyway, I took her out because I had the law with me. And it's legal stuff I needed, and uh, you don't uh, you don't have to uh, if she's gonna say that she has to be locked down in their view, 
Why should I have to stay there? They just, insurance would just pay for it, whereas they wouldn't pay for anything out here. Okay. Now, let's talk about, as we wrap this interview up, let's talk about the gun GoFundMe uh, campaign you have going. We want yeah, people yeah, to I go want to say that well, before, before I finish, I want to say that, that she had gone gone through uh, hospice care. They both uh, mm. had and the clinic, uh, uh, Vitas Clinic, very good one. And Kaiser's good for that matter, just wasn't good in this case. And they uh, uh, they uh, thought that it was in the line, that it would be over in six months. They brought all the death equipment out and everything, and they put through hospice. And, and instead, she's uh, better even now. That was over a year ago. And she's better even now than she was before then. And so, but let me uh, hear you right. I think let they really sure. don't know the difference between they don't, they don't really know the difference between giving care, and, and taking care, and, and, and giving care. And, and, and they want to take care of somebody. It means to do a lot of different things for them. And straight to front, right to front, make sure everything's in order. Like you do in a group place, they have them all listed on the wall. Everybody eats at the same time, whether they're ready or not. And if you're not not ready to eat, there's something wrong with you. They have something called swallowing, which which is precipitated as much as anything by anxiety. And especially if you feed them too fast or if you you feed them too much, if they don't want them more, you put it in there, they'll put it in there, but they'll hold it they've, because they've forgotten how to swallow momentarily when you okay. put it too fast. Uh, let and me so let that, me understand that for, correctly. You know, Yes, Doctor Hill. Let me let me make sure I understand this correctly. She was in hospice, and then when you took her out, she no, no, started we brought her. Cover? She went through hospice here at home. She went through hospice here at home. Okay. With a clinic, All a right. detox clinic, a very good clinic. Okay. And you can, you right. can say that's probably part responsible for her improvement. Mm-hmm. And she had a very good uh, uh, living facility. If you want to be locked down, for that matter, it was called uh, Laguna Honda. Uh, uh, an AIDS song, uh, an AIDS song clinic. It was a good living facility, it, very innovative, and, and all. So she is still but, under hospice, doctor. Oh no, no, she got out of that uh, in August a year ago. At least a year. How ago. did that happen? Because she got improved so well, so much uh, under the the and in, in the time that she's improving. Ever since then, she's improved since they got out of it. So much so they don't come out anymore. They said that there was nothing to treat anymore. Well, what did you that, do that to much... help her improve? What, 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 did well, you change well, well, the we, diet? Uh, How did uh, I didn't do anything much myself except, except be attentive and try to give her uh, comfort and and and, uh, and and love and care and stuff like that. Uh, uh, we uh, uh, just be nice to her and, uh, and regard her highly. Uh, she was playing the piano a lot. We have a lady the piano. She felt good doing that. Uh, we have a, a, a music still going 24 hours, uh, uh, instrumental, easy listening from the cable station around the clock, uh, uh, down low, to suit the, the time and then the environment, uh, the ambience. But she, she likes that. She likes the rhythm of that. Uh, and, uh, she likes the rhythm of what, doctor? I didn't hear the you. The rhythm and the musical qualities of the instrumental, easy listening, uh, some of the songs. Uh, in fact, uh, 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 they are played some good ones and some mediocre ones like any station. But, but on, on my weekend days, Friday, Saturday, Sundays, uh, when I, we, have a, we have the people part-time, and so consequently in the evenings I'm here, and I, I have gotten her, her favorite songs. Uh, on uh, I pick them out and put them on YouTube. You can get almost anything you want to from YouTube, and I can play them all in a row, and she really likes that. Uh, because he's getting our favorite things, uh, the ones he likes in a row, and I just have them on a list, and, and uh, uh, then I play them, or I can uh, just think of them, uh, uh, knowing okay. what she likes. So let me make sure I'm hearing you correctly. You started this music therapy session with your wife. Yeah, and now they're talking all over the place by chance. They are touting this uh, music as a good for everybody. But whatever is good for many people is better for her because she, for most people because of her great interest in, in music. Uh, she really should have been a musician, quite a more jazz musician. She could have been a classical in a better world. Uh, but mm-hmm. uh, she, uh, uh, she she won the, the, uh, the talent show, just playing the piano. When she came to the university, she won the professional talent show playing the piano. And so she... Uh, 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 was early into music. Improved. The, the organist, apparently. Right. It, now, now what was she like, Dr. Hare? 
trying to hear what was she like when she was died when they uh, put her in hospice. Can you describe what you know? Oh, what her, uh, she's, what her she's, she's very ill. She's very ill and uh, uh, going down slow type thing. And uh, the first of all, she had gotten a bed sore, and they uh, asked them for not moving enough uh, different uh, different places, uh, you know, same position enough, uh, and so on. And, and they thought it would not heal, for one thing, and it did heal. And, and she got uh, all of her, her symptoms of uh, uh, Alzheimer's uh, over time were subdued, and so. Uh, it, she just got better uh, and uh, no longer needed, uh, they no longer anticipated her demise. And, and so. Was uh, she talking at that time? Was she able to communicate? Oh, yeah, she, she was able to talk. She had slowly been losing that all down the, the line. And the diagnosis then uh, in the end stage, when she went into that, she was, she was in the severe stage, the end stage of it. And she uh, uh, has slowly. Lost uh, uh, last night. She was trying to. Uh, she was uh, she, uh, 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 checking with me to make sure that the, the clock was going to go around to nine from eight forty-five. And so I explained, yeah, uh, she did uh, volunteer. I, I don't. I'm not one of the person trying to get her to recognize me, but she just calls my name every now and then. Maybe about maybe once a week, she'll say something and call my name like people do. And she mm-hmm. did that uh, uh, the night too. Uh, she she called it so she but 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 she doesn't remember most people, and she she doesn't uh, but she talks to them if they'll talk to her, but but she mm-hmm. she makes makes merry and try to appear to be okay by by saying uh, things and oh how you doing oh, it was great you know so forth and the things she 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 knows some things to say, and but she mm-hmm. won't know who they are, especially on the mm-hmm. telephone where you, where you can't see the person. And, and know who they, who they are. It, it, it depends all on memory, but she, but she likes to talk on the cell phone too. And always, it's so, it's so pathetic because she likes to uh, she wants to be a full human being like everybody else and competent and capable. And then there's a fear uh, uh, which they had been going on from the very beginning, which is why they had it in the early phases. Because they want everybody to really know uh, that the secret is out there that they really think they are losing it. They're afraid of this. But they don't uh, uh, really want to tell anybody, anybody to know that, and because they they figure that if something happened to them. Then once you put them away, like like the, like they, they did her, then uh, they she thinks that you're gonna lock up again if you if she goes to the doctor. So that was a, a thing too. That but they put up the safety factor as uh, uh, the the your head with. As a whip, and I say, well, safety is a is a goal. Certainly, I want a safety more than you do, but but uh, safety is not something something which is assured anywhere, and certainly not in a car. And so, uh, therefore, we we don't increase the probability of safety. We cannot assure it, and plus, we want to uh, to think about quality of life, uh, how we want to be happy. We want to be uh, we don't want to be in misery. We want to be uh, lonely and feeling abandoned, safe or not, and, and so we want to be safe, but we also want to be uh, reasonably uh, happy, and so we're right. uh, we're bargaining these things off against each other like we do with medicine and side effects of medicine. So we're wrestling on that, and, and I had no trouble uh, uh, with the police or uh, anybody, but but we have trouble with with the public and with the authorities. I say, well, she's not afraid of the people on the street because they would think that even the uh, Caregiver was somebody on the street because they don't know the caregiver, but know her, the neighbors, whatever. You know, somebody drives by who uh, from other part of town happens to know her. They put it all over town that she's running the street, streets alone, even not knowing that I'm just down the street. Uh, somebody, some caregiver is down the street. They think it's a it's a street hoodlum. The, the caregiver comes over to to, to get her and, and hook back up with her, and, and they try to stop the caregiver from from doing that job. Because they think that the caregiver is dealing with her. So I say, well, she's not afraid of the people on the street. Uh, the homeless people, they all want uh, to be treated kindly, too. And they'll treat anybody kindly. She'll treat anybody kindly and treat her kindly. So I say, they're scared of you guys who want to lock up. She's scared of you guys who want to lock her up. The medical people, the uh-huh. artists, the friends who want to lock her up. That's what she's scared of. So we, we showed them that she, she was not uh, uh, imperiled. 
uh, 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 by uh, they could do it through there. They could t- they could have uh, uh, people who are hired to to go follow them, uh, bring them back, or whatever. And and, and uh, somebody could they could have scooters, uh, 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 bicycles, motorcycles, uh, uh, cars, trucks, SUVs, everything. Uh, to, uh, people uh, dispatch. Cameras, uh, cell phones. We we know how to communicate. We we could we could have everybody uh, uh, tied up uh, that way to connected, and we we could ensure their safety and all, and and, and keep them at home and let them be out, and even take them out sometimes. But they, it's very simple for, for the system to just lock you up. Mm-hmm. And if okay. you want to stay there. Now, as we yeah. in this interview, Doctor Hare, what is um, is Dr. Julia here doing right now this moment? Well, she's in there with, with a caregiver in another, in another room, and I guess they're looking at television, maybe talking a little bit about that. But, but mm-hmm. she uh, uh, is getting down to the, to where she she has forgotten how to walk, and so she uh, is uh, only in a wheelchair or sitting up in a regular chair, but she has to be, be helped with all that. She's forgotten. Uh, uh, how to move around on her own, and so she how long has she home. been? How long has she been wheelchair bound? Oh, uh, it must be uh, going on a year. Mm. Well, she, um, uh, mm-hmm. and so she has the doctors and everything. Come on, the best. Uh, her first doctor was uh, Dr. Catherine. Uh, uh, what was her last name? Anyway, she Madison Catherine Madison, who got a hundred twenty-one million dollar grant. And hooked up with Alzheimer's Association and, and moved off across town. Meanwhile, she she was charging seven hundred some dollars for a visit, uh, and the person who was taking us there, uh, uh, introduced referred us, uh, moved to Florida. So by coincidence of that, a, a physician uh, uh, on a group that was uh, giving me moral support uh, uh, recommended because uh, nobody else knew anybody before that. And recommended it's a clinic in a suburb from here that that would visit, come out and do visits, and and that was, she was uh, uh, that was directed by uh, Dr. Uh, uh, Landsberg, uh, the first name Elizabeth Landsberg, and she is a simple board certified geriatrician who used to uh, teach at the University of California uh, Medical School. Uh, so that's the kind of doctor she's got, you know, she's got the best. And they come mm-hmm. out. Uh, uh, we took them there uh, uh, without her being locked up. And she also had the Vitos Clinic and uh, Amadeus Clinic uh, coming out here. As, as well as now Catholic, you have. Yeah, I was going to ask you. You do have a GoFundMe campaign. I want to make sure. Yeah, I have a GoFundMe uh, campaign because I found it. At last, I earned a lot of money. It cost a lot of money, and I had to pay the caregivers. Uh, for I, I was uh, a week for one and thirty hours for the other. So, uh, anyway, pretty much from from nine to seven every day, and, and then uh, that uh, sort of exhausted money. I jumped out with some parachutes. Some some people had projects they were going to raise money. I had a, a, a my uh, uh, artifacts, what you call when you when you when you you, you save the the. Uh, Things for the library. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had that, that. They were saying Leroy Jones, uh, a friend of mine, Marvin Blackman, had uh, said it would be worth a million dollars. And her friend, who was had to be Amir Baraka, uh, mm-hmm. uh, who died uh, subsequently, but he was. Uh, we all thought he was a good health man. Anyway, he uh, had no trouble except for his physical ailment, and he uh, said no two million, one for Julian, and one for Nathan. And so we, but then uh, Marvin got a uh, uh, person who, uh, a Helms Archives, uh, uh, an expert who Helms uh, Archives at, at Stanford, and he paid him uh, uh, to evaluate the uh, archives that we hadn't saved, saved anything. It's just getting old things that we could find around here. And so uh, he, uh, everything been thrown away over the years and decades. But, but he said it was worth three hundred fifty thousand dollars. So I jumped out there expecting that is some, you know, maybe two hundred thousand <laughs> at least. And so things like that, the guy's gonna make up a, 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 a documentary. It comes out he never made a documentary. He just was trying to collect pictures and save pictures and, and stuff like that. So and everybody promised different things, but nothing ever came through. 
you know, they couldn't, uh, wouldn't really change their mind uh, uh, about it. But uh, anyway, the, uh, the parachute didn't open up. And meanwhile, I'm spending the money that I, I tried to save up, thinking that she would be the one to uh, be here. I mean, to go for, uh, be here after I've gone first. And so I was, I was busy saving that up and, uh, and mutual funds and everything. We had to spend all that down. And because I expected things, to, uh, something to break. And meanwhile, uh, I had trouble uh, not only on that side of the insurance racket, but I had, well, I didn't call it a racket, but at least it, it, uh, it has, uh, in health reform, it's in the newspaper in the Chronicle, that, that since health reform, everybody's salary has gone down, income has gone down, except for the insurance companies, the, 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 the income has gone up. And so uh, that's what they did. On the other end, as a practitioner, as a, as a psychologist in private practice, they set up this so-called medical Nevada network and kept me out of these two major companies, uh, the government one and the uh, commercial one working together, and they wouldn't answer my call. At first, they said it was uh, the wrong code. It's too much to really talk about. Let's just say they cut my income off uh, for over a year ago for the most part, and I did them up against the wall recently, and they uh, were uh, talking fair favor. Uh, and as I finally got them on the phone by, by implying a suit and stuff like that, and 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 one person getting ready to leave who who told me and who who make the decision. So anyway, it it seems to be uh, uh, parts to be worked out somewhat, so I can get back to earning some significant uh, income at the office, uh, which would help an awful lot. So that's on top of everything else, on top of the high cost of all this, on top of not being rich, even though people think you should be. Uh, then I uh, uh, came to where I had needed to have money, and I saw the GoFundMe uh, where somebody had raised money for the, uh, uh, some uh, puppy who was ill and it was the white people. And so I, I decided I would put uh, uh, something on to, uh, there myself, even though it was a great sense of shame. Nevertheless, I, 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 my mother always said, pride goes before a fall. And so I decided to put this uh, campaign on, uh, called call uh, this GoFundMe campaign, uh, which I labeled Let Freedom Ring, uh, based around the fact that she, she needed to be free from incarceration. She called, she called it incarceration. They call it confinement. She called it incarceration, which turns out to be the mm. same thing that the psychiatrist Thomas Sotts uh, had called it in his book called The Medicalization of Everyday Life. He calls it incarceration. She had never read Thomas Sotts, let alone that book. In fact, I didn't even read that book, but I read Sotts. But then later on, as I read the book and saw that she, he had said the same thing. He called it incarceration. And so we, uh, uh, that was a big mm-hmm. problem, and it, and it cost a lot, and we wound up broke. And so I began to raise, try to raise money on GoFundMe, uh, uh, which, 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 which people see. You can raise money for to do your, uh, uh, you know, your project, or uh, to mm-hmm. uh, do something like that. Uh, but, but they don't want you to raise money if you need it. Uh, just like you don't. Uh, so, so that's what they they seem to say is begging. And how you much did you raise and, so far? Well, so far it's it's. Uh, Last I looked at it, like about sixty-seven dollars from being twenty thousand. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, somebody just just uh, said they were putting some on there, so it's gonna build twenty thousand real quick. Uh, 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 probably as, uh, as we speak, it'll be coming past that. But see, the trouble is, people see that and see that they think that's money sitting up there, but that money is fast due. In fact, I've gone into borrowing. You understand? Uh, because spent all the money I had and going to the bar, and then that that's way behind. But people see the money up there and think it's sitting up there, but it's just the registration of the money sent. Because uh, uh, GoFundMe takes out uh, uh, almost nine percent, which which is reasonable. And uh, uh, but but uh, what had, what's left to go to your bank account? Uh, but but it's already uh, needed, <laughs> you know, before it gets there. Uh, so, and so, therefore, uh, there's anything in the bank, in other words, uh, uh, as we go along. But people see see something there and they figure it's all there, sitting up there right now. Uh, but it's been spent over the time as we went. 
and then more so because you have to borrow it and then it gets to be compounded. Your problem be uh, compounded. And the faster it, the more you go on and the more you lag behind uh, with the, uh, uh, you know, the bills because the, the companies have these computers and these drones and they will bill you. And then when you uh, uh, you say, oh, like like uh, American Express, I owe them about uh, 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 about $7,000. So I, when I got the money, that's the market I've sold, but I only got, I wound up with $24,000. And I said, put seven thousand on that, paying off the American Express. Well, they say, okay, well, well you don't, don't. I couldn't make any uh, more, uh, uh, you know, bills on it myself. So I, they, they always told me I was not responsible because duty was a primary cardholder, and therefore I did not because uh, they wanted her to be able to do things if I was gone. And, and so uh, uh, they, at her request, <laughs> as well. And so therefore uh, they uh, said, well. You, they always assure me every time they call that you don't have to pay it, but I paid it anyway. And then they say, uh, meanwhile, you're not supposed to uh, make any uh, debts, you know, pay that, uh, make any more purchases, which I didn't. And I paid that $7,000 off, and I looked up, and they put about $4,000 on there by, by acknowledging, you know, you have these monthly uh, things like Yahoo or whatever. Yeah, you have these mm-hmm. on there. And they, they call it, they, they pay them for the back months uh, where they cut me off, too. So, so they had put up that money without telling me, and now they're trying to collect that, and, and so therefore that is not uh, uh, correct. Because I, I would, uh, and so much things that go on, they keep hounding the, the phone company, AT and T. They would, uh, I, they had me underwire at home and at the office because you don't want to change your phone because you have to change your email address, your your fax number, and everything else. And so I went through that because nobody wanted you to do that. And then finally, I, I, I broke it and went over to Comcast. But that's a long story because I was going to the building went Comcast, and I moved down thinking I was going to be able to to retire and focus on the black ink thing. But it got to be where I had I couldn't do that, and so therefore I moved uh, the, the building. I told the building manager I was I was leaving, but he said, "Oh, we, you've been here long. Anybody else since 1979? Wait till you go." And, and so therefore uh, we got this little office down early, and you might want to have a problem with somebody. Uh, you might want to write in or something, and so I took that and and, it was, and after telling everybody I was quitting, I I turned around and had to make a try to get back into uh, that, and, and so uh, it's uh, uh, that uh, sort of thing I've been going through. Uh, but I forgot what was the point you just asked the last question. It was, it was dealing with the uh, uh, so that what was the last question you asked? Oh no, I just asked uh, basically you know about. The um, go fund and if you were able to raise some money, did, did the money oh, yeah, help you? Oh yeah, down at the end, yeah, down at the end we were doing that. But I don't know why I got off. Oh, I got. I was talking about American Express and all that, or the AT and T and how uh, the lady said, "But we're good. Uh, got this little, this little room for the office." But but at the same time, she said the building is going to Comcast, and uh, I said, "Okay, I'll go." But I found out they were going to change my phone number. And so I changed it back and said AT&T. Well, it, it increased your, your bill right away. You know, there's some exploit, exploit, mm-hmm. monopoly, and not a monopoly. But in any case, I, I finally took them out of misery. Everybody else, I changed my phone. I, I took my phone off because I didn't need all that. I used a, a cell phone for an office phone. Because uh, as a psychologist, you don't need all those phones. You, you're not doing that kind of fast-paced thing. You have persons once an hour if you have them. And, and so mm-hmm. I, I uh, didn't. Uh, I could use my cell phone, and, and I didn't need all the things that we. we I basically put the phone in there anyway because of black think tank, and didn't really need the uh, 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 that many phones. And so I, I cut them off, and uh, people had to get used to, to learning my new phone. <laughs> and uh, so mm-hmm. everybody changed the phones with me, and everybody said, "Oh, you changed for God's sake!" You, I called up, and your phone was out of order. And they act like the, the world is falling apart, but everybody changed their phone number. So anyway, I had to get through all that. I just going into a lot of detail. But in, in, as a matter of fact, to get back to your question, uh, I have the the GoFundMe going on now, where people are invited to uh, uh, who want to contribute, because uh, it's uh, a little bit goes a long way. And the way it works is, that, uh, if some everybody, if a lot of people would give a little bit, it would work very well. And uh, uh, but uh, uh, people think they have to give a lot. You can also uh, donate uh, uh, privately or anonymously, 
and therefore mm-hmm. uh, your name wouldn't appear on the website, and, and I wouldn't celebrate your, your 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 name or your business or whatever you do as I tend to do. Uh, if uh, a person is not, it does not indicate that they are private uh, is a private or anonymous donation. Uh, uh, it's uh, uh, I try to uh, sense that it's okay to mention them and what they do, and most people seem to like it, and nobody really has complained about it, and as long as I don't violate the uh, ones who say, which I don't, so, uh, the ones who say they're private, uh, making a private anonymous donation, the website uh, keeps the name from appearing, and they indicate to, uh, to us that uh, here on the ground that it is uh, a private anonymous donation. And so one can, if one feels ashamed to donate for whatever reason, or doesn't want to call out other people asking them to donate, then they would uh, might prefer the private anonymous donation. But we prefer to have them uh, use that name and, and, and to celebrate that name, and so that other people will, will also uh, be encouraged to know that it's uh, the good thing to do. That that uh, that no. I think Aesop said that, that uh, uh, no act of kindness, uh, uh, however small, was ever wasted. Uh, something mm-hmm. like that. <laughs> uh, so right, right. I like we, that. Uh, we try to encourage them. By, by, uh, the more people uh, we can celebrate, uh, uh, whatever it, it might do to them, say if their, their, their business is mentioned or whatever, it becomes sort of an advertising. And, and so that we, uh, we, we and, and as well as giving uh, assurance to everybody that it is the thing to do is to help this, this good cause of keeping Dr. Judy Hare free from incarceration. Now we just want to give her the best medical care that uh, that we can and the best uh, home care because that's what, uh, uh, see, uh, people need to feel especially when they feel abandoned, don't know what's going on. It's a diabolical condition. Uh, a person mm-hmm. doesn't understand, they know something is terribly wrong and doesn't, don't understand it. You know, what is happening to me? What is going on? What, people are treating me like a child. I want to find somewhere, somebody who, who, who knows that I'm a full human being and will treat me like a full human being and will not try to control me, not keep me from going where I want to go, doing this and the other. And if something's wrong, I can't remember this, I can't remember that, I can't tell the time, I don't know what they're saying. And so it's a very terrible thing. And a very, all right. I can imagine. Well, you know. I want to thank you, Dr. Hare, for spending all this time for talking to us about the history of your your work, your career with you and your wife, and well, what you've been you going through. Hopefully, our listeners will go to GoFundMe and let freedom ring, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, thank you. I, 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 and I laugh at it. It's true. You know, it's very true that that she, she would, they they, uh, they prefer to lock her up now. Uh, she she is not. Uh, but they would still they wouldn't have to lock her up. But she would have this sense of being abandoned. Uh, and if it mm-hmm. gets to the point where she doesn't feel that way, uh, then uh, that uh, becomes a time. And when she needs something physically, uh, that can't be not be done. Then, and then that would be the time to do that. Right now, it is not the time uh, to to uh, abandon her to uh, uh, that place. And I think the, the, very much uh, uh, the kind of, uh, of of emotional care that we we give her by being attentive, not being a group thing, but an individualized thing, and, and focusing upon her and and uh, and all that that helps right there. That a peace of mind. And, and, the, and the well-being, psychophysical well-being, especially since they don't know how to treat it or what causes it and how to cure it. Though, though President Obama has uh, set up a goal uh, to have the cure by 2025, 20, uh, uh, that would be too much right. for us. But right now, it's uh, all we can do is, is to try, try to make uh, give as much joy and fill, fill our days with as much comfort and joy as we can and try to do the best we can to, uh, in that way. And that takes the money with paying people to do that. If you don't have children mm-hmm. or grandchildren and stuff around, even I, I don't have any relatives here at all in this town. And, and, mm-hmm. city, and, and so therefore, uh, uh, it's a, a big expense to, to pay people to, to care, especially people who okay. uh, uh, know 
and what they well, are doing. Well, your interview has, this talk has been very informative, and, um, you know, you told us a great deal about, you know, your struggles. We are all praying for you and your wife, and more than okay. prayer, we have to commit to action because okay. faith without deeds is dead. So yeah, if you're listening, absolutely. please... So if you're listening, um, please put your faith to to action and um, make a contribution to Dr. Hare and his wife. Uh, Alzheimer's is a terrible um, disease that affects the entire family. And I'm so happy that Dr. Hare was able to free his wife from that confinement. And she's home listening to music and recovering with dignity. Uh, with her husband, um, so I want to thank you with for others being. To make, we work, we work with others to try to make this uh, uh, change the, uh, the way they treat the elderly generally and all times people generally, and they have a more community-based and collective approach where where everybody right. can be treated. Right, but you were here. the you, but you're the husband, and you are the epitome of what a husband is supposed to do. Right. And we don't have too many pictures and images of people like you and your wife. You're powerful. Your love is strong. It's something that we need to celebrate. And to see you guys go through this is, you know, you're really putting the vows, the marriage vows, um, to is to the test. And and it's it's really um, exceptional. And it's really not exceptional. It's exceptional in the media, but we know that yeah. we need to promote it more. And if yeah. you don't do anything well, else it. in this interview. The pictures of you and your wife loving. I want more pictures of the two of you. I had a hard time looking for pictures, finding pictures uh, of the two of you. Um, but I want to put those pictures up and share them in your story because okay, the bottom line, you. this is what marriage is about. So I appreciate what you're yeah. doing, Doctor Here. Yeah, I appreciate and, um, you. And yeah, I get we will stay in touch on Facebook. Yeah, we'll stay in touch on Facebook. Very informative. Yes, it is. You're very informative. You were one of the first people I friended. And I didn't know who you were, but I quickly learned people <laughs> told me exactly who you were. They're like, you know who you're talking to? You? So, no. Yeah. And I, well, thanks for the kind words. Let me come out. on. Yes, anytime. Thanks. And we'll talk. We'll talk okay. again. Okay. All right. You Thank have you a wonderful. good night. Have a good day. Okay, bye. Okay. Bye-bye.